Okay, everybody, thanks for listening today. Um, really excited today to be talking to Aaron Siegel. Uh, Aaron's down in Charleston, South Carolina, and he owns Fiery Ron's Home Team Barbecue. Uh, two locations, right, Aaron? That's right, yeah. Two locations, Sullivan's Island and uh, West Ashley. Sullivan's Island and West Ashley. So, uh, well, man, hey, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time. Aaron's actually driving from one of his locations to the next right now, so we get to we get to wrap with him while he's on on uh, hanging out at the drawbridge, right? Yeah, trading trading some chicken wings from store to store. <laughs> the there you go, man. <laughs> that's what that's which is exactly what we're here to talk about. So this is good stuff, man. So, um, so you, I, you know, I, I read up a little bit. Um, uh, fill in some gaps here, but you 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 were from Atlanta, and um, I know you went to the Culinary Institute of America, and I've uh, been in the restaurant business uh, for a while now. And then, uh, is Fiery Ron's uh, is is it the first restaurant that you've owned, or have you owned other ones prior to that? No, 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 no. The, we started West Ashley in um, 2006, um, raised some money with family and friends, and. Um, and uh, it took me about a year to set it up. Well, it actually, took a little bit longer than that. I was kind of doing, looking for spots under the radar. And when I was working my other job, and uh, so we opened up in uh, 2006. And um, yeah, that's my first uh, first um, run at owning a restaurant. So it's been trial by fire for about uh, almost nine years now. That's awesome, man. And you did, you did. Uh, so you did. Was it that location that you first opened? Was that? Counter service, and then you opened a full service. Is that right, or yes, yes? Uh, I, you know, it was funny. I was when I went when I got done with uh, the, the culinary institute. I went out to Aspen. I was cooking out there for four years. Did a lot of my grunt work out there, and um, and I had a job during the day. I mean, you know, everybody's working hourly in the food and beverage in, industry. Usually, you got to have another job, and that other job might be where you make a little bit more money. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I worked at this burrito place in Aspen, which is still there to this day, called the Big Wrap. And um, it was a quick service place, um, all fresh ingredients, uh, you know, making salads in a in a stainless steel bowl, and and um, you know, making great burritos and tacos. And and um, I kind of always had that concept in my mind to step away from the high end business. Um, and uh, I always had a great interest in barbecue, so I come kind of combined those two ideas, and they were always always in the back of my head. And, you know, I, I, it was funny. I I got tired of the division between front of the house and back of the house, and I really wanted to marry it. And uh, mm. that's kind of why I did counter service, and I wanted less people handling the food. And, you know, um, I wanted to create a concept that was just sort of um, uh, simpler. And, you know, I was also looking at my quality of life for the next 20 years and being in a high-end restaurant and having to worry about how every chive sliced cut and, you know who's putting the plates on the table, whether they're putting the plates down correctly facing you, and not. so I had all these things in my mind that I kind of wanted to back away from while keeping the same fundamentals and and standards on on food, um, but creating a quick service atmosphere. So that's how we ended up with West Ashley's counter service, and then we had a bar and a bar as well attached to it. So it was kind of you know, and it's it's still that way to this day, and um, and then when we uh, when we opened up Sullivan's Island, I mean it was just we just needed it. There was more need for the table service, so I turned back over the dark side of, of table service. <laughs> well, what do you well? So, what do you mean by um, the division between front of the house and back? I mean, I, I know what you mean, generally speaking. But is it, do you feel like it's you know they're just almost two separate teams operating, trying to do? This? I mean, what, what were the issues that you saw? No, that? I think well, it's it's you know it's kind of like uh, brothers 
sister, you know. Right? Ah, yeah. You got your all line down the middle of the car, you know, the middle of the car, you know. One 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 person thinks that they're getting more than the other. One person thinks they're getting less. You know, and I mean, the thing is with front of the house and back of the house, which is well noted, is I mean, you know, front of the house people make more money. They just do. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's uh, the typical atmosphere, and so there's always this, you know, kind of I work harder than you, and you know, and that sort of thing. And so you're always trying to massage that, and you do you. you you know, you do want them to work together, uh, but the fact is, is that they are, they're they're two different sub teams working under a, you know, a parent team. You know, and you're trying yeah. to get these guys to get along and work together and talk to each other. Usually, they don't they don't they don't hang out together as much. You know, it's it's interesting. So, uh, but it, yeah, but I mean, that, you know, that's different in every restaurant. It just depends on how you approach it. Whether you have, you know, folks that are at the helm that are try, always trying to marry those two guys, or they're always they're always pushing against each other, and uh, um, but that you know that's that's the restaurant industry. I mean, there's there's one clear cut division, and that's front of the house, back of the house. That's Republican and Democrat. Not not necessarily <laughs> associating, not 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 necessarily associating either one with either party, but it's it's a two party system. Let's put it that way. <laughs> two party system under one under one flag. I got you, man. I got you. Well, then, so that's been something that's been important to you. What? It, I, I mean, I know it's not sort of black and white or clear cut, but what are some of the general things you've tried to do to, um, you know, kind of keep those, those, those two sides working together? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, uh, open lines of communication. I mean, you just gotta, yeah. you know, everybody needs to know what everybody's up against. And, um, you know, and I mean, that can, that falls over into every job and every, you know, different business. I mean, you, you gotta consider what, what the person you're working with is up against or, you won't be able to understand or communicate with them because, um, you know, you're just going to have this 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 wall you've already put up, and so you know you want to keep those walls, you know, kind of tear those walls down and make sure that everybody's on the same page and that there if there is any, um, you know, animosity that you clear it up and you you make sure that people understand. And there's certain people you just can't reach, you know, and they'll yeah. you know they're gonna they're gonna be sore and bitter and about whatever they're doing, but. You know, the heart of the heart of the restaurant is a good core group that all works together and understands what each other's up against when you're going into a busy weekend and and you know looks at what they do and how hard they're working and and respects each other. So that's that's really what it is. It's really just about respect. If you got people respecting each other in the work environment, then you're gonna have a much much better work environment. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. Now you um. You know, you mentioned kind of like when you started thinking about um, career longevity and, you know, well-being and everything and not really, you know, some of the things that go along with sort of high-end um, restaurants. It, it seems like, I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know, man. But it seems like a lot of the folks now, I mean, even on this podcast recently, I've done several, uh, I've interviewed several folks who went to the Culinary Institute of America who clearly are just, you know, learning incredible culinary skills but they're doing concepts that are more um, casual, more casual, you know, more, more casual, more laid back type places. But then just still really great food. Is that is a? I mean, do you think culturally are we kind of shifting more in that direction? I mean, I find myself and my family. Well, I think it's a it, more and, it's a great middle ground. I mean, it's a yeah. great middle ground for not only uh, the customer but for the person that's doing it. I mean, you know, uh, 
you know, lots of chefs. I mean, the thing was, you know, I'm limited by what we we're limited by what we can do now in in our yeah. place. We try to be as creative as possible and things like that. But you know, for a long time, we had to get people's trust. And um, and and but you you want to cook like when you're not when you're not working at night doing dinner, you you uh, and you're you're doing you know barbecue barbecue lunch barbecue catering and things like that. You, you when you when you get your free time, all you think about is you know doing that dinner service or doing that sort of food. So I think you you know. You don't want to get cornered, and I think sometimes the casual aspect gives you a little bit more, a little bit more room. Um, you know, it, it's 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 camps these days on you know when you're when with these uh, high-end restaurants because number one, there's so many of them, and there's yeah. so many talented people out there. I mean, there's so many talented people that you know read way more than I do now. You know, it's uh, they 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 immerse themselves more, way more than I do, way more than I have the time to. And so, you know, at some point, it's like you know, you're you're an athlete in the in the NBA. And what's your what's your prime? Well, your prime is when you the more time you have, the more time you have to immerse yourself in what you're doing. And um, so, from you know, from a family standpoint, I think people start to look at what they and you still pay just as much attention. It's just. It's just you know something that might be a little easier to execute, and also something that you have fun with. I mean, you see all these high-end chefs eating, you know, opening meat and threes or a fried chicken place or you know a little taco yeah. stand. I mean, look at Sean Brock, you know, in Monero. I mean, you know, it, 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 he's got a passion for it. He loves it. It's simple, and it might not be as simple as you think, but it's just a simpler concept. You know, and there's you know, sounds funny, but there's not necessarily more room for error. There's just not as much error that can be had. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I know exactly. It's, yeah, it makes a lot like of sense. You're, you're, you streamline things, and you're not, you're not changing things up every single day, and you're changing up fringe items. And so I think it's it's fun, and and, and and I mean, there's a niche for it. I mean, everybody wants, you know, nobody wants the generic crap anymore. You know, it's you get brand, no, you know, not, not nothing on against TGI Fridays or something like that, but you know. That's what all these other places are now. These middle of the road places that are opening that people they're they're but they're independent openings. They're being opened by people that are really interested in food and you know not just you know your baby bag baby bag ribs or whatever. <laughs> like, so, yeah, that's right. you know, so I think it is. You know, that, I think that's the reason behind it. Um, I think that you know people you know good people who cook food want to cook. You know, they want to cook all kinds of food, so they get an idea and they they want to go through it. And um, it's funny when we started. You, you know, the Peninsula Grill down here. Have you ever heard of the Peninsula Grill in the in the planet? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob Carter is one of the you know renowned chefs of Charleston. That's you know really got things started along with Don Barrickman and um, Bob Wagner and some some other folks. And um, you know, frankly, and um, you know, just really respected. Um, you know, elder chef, and um, he used to come in in the middle of the afternoon in his whites, you know, and his hat and everything, and I'd see him over there sitting by himself eating barbecue, and I'd go over there and say hello to him. What are you doing, Bobby? Man, I'm just taking a break. And he'd be like, you know, I want to do this someday. I want to open up a casual concept. And I think, you, you know, when you're in one place, you kind of want to do um, something else or, you know, expand your experience and um, 
you know, he went and did that. Now he's back in the high end again. He just opened up. So you never know. You know, it's just, yeah. I think it's just like anything else. When you have the the ability to kind of shift gears and people will let you do it and give you an opportunity to do it, then, you know, you you tend, tend to try it out. So, sure, man. And, and folks, and, and by the way, for like, you know, those of you listening, I mean, Aaron's, uh, Aaron's created something really um, special down in Charleston. I mean, Aaron, I, I hear word of mouth. I mean, I'm in Charlotte, and I hear a lot of, I've heard a lot about fiery runs. Um, and then you guys, I even noticed, like, you've gotten you've gotten some really good national PR. You guys were in, like, Esquire, Food Network. I think I saw USA Today said you all had, like, the fourth best ribs in the country. Like, what is there – is that – how has that happened? <laughs> I mean, I know you, you know, make great food and you have a great uh, place, but, I mean, are you, if you – well, it's funny when you say the fourth best revs in the country, you know, because it's so subjective and it's just, and a lot of, totally. um, yeah. you know, I think you you put yourself in a position. I mean, we always, we worked really hard and, and we're always working on our food and we're still changing things these days, methods, techniques. I think you, I guess, I guess you just put yourself in a position to be, um, you know, I mean, the, the national uh, accolades are great. You know, a lot of them are social media driven. So if you have, you know, we, we have, um, a lot of followers, I guess, on Facebook and and Twitter and and Instagram. I mean, we're pretty into Instagram just because it's fun, motivates us. We can check out what other people are doing. It's just a lot of fun. I think it creates a lot of camaraderie within the business. And um, so I think you just kind of put yourself in a position to, because I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say we've got the fourth best ribs in the country. Our ribs are good, but you know, it's just kind of it's so subjective. You, you see all these lists, but you know, you you you, you got to be around. I guess for people to look at you that way, and we're certainly flattered by it, and it, you know, makes us feel good and all. But it's really about what we put out every day, and we're the only ones that know what the quality is on that because we have our own standards. But man, it's it's great. I mean, you can't. I think we just put our kind of put ourselves out there. We've got a good relationship with our customers here in Charleston. We, you know, I mean, it's fun for us. It's fun for them. So. um I think they probably speak highly of us as we speak highly of them. You know, we love our peeps and they love us. So it's um it's a cool thing. You know, I uh, I talked to um I was talking to another owner. Uh, it's got a really really good concept, uh, popular concept up in New York. And and um one of the things he was telling me they've been at it for six or seven years or whatever is is uh like they've gotten a lot of they've gotten a lot of PR too, but. One thing he said is that he's kind of retrenched recently and focused a lot on operations because, um, you know, you can get people in. It's one thing to get people in, but then to, you know, provide that great – you can only get, you know, so many people in once, and then you, but you've got to provide this great food and great experience to keep them coming back. Um, you guys focus a lot on just really kind of nailing down. I know you're always making tweaks and changes, but you said you, you keep changing the food. But the food, the service, I mean, is it – is it something you spend a lot of energy on just trying to really nail that formula for, for getting people to want to come back, you know, on a recurring basis and just be, you know, repeat regular customers? Yeah. I mean, man, there's so many aspects to the food and beverage industry and, and, and restaurants and, and, and why people come back, you know, what makes them feel comfortable, you know, is it the food and the service. And the, I mean, it's, you know, it's everything, but you know, there's something that usually brings people back and it can be multiple things. Man, we're always just, I mean, like I said, I mean, we, your focus can go from one place to another so quickly, and you're you're constantly trying to follow up with people 
and try to get them to have the same um, drive that you do and um, trying to get them to treat every situation the way it should be treated. And it's never, it's never, the situations in, in just as they are in other jobs too, but, you know, in, in restaurants, the, lots of situations are just not very black and white. You know, you're, you're dealing with adversity all the time. It's kind of like being on the, it's kind of like working on Wall Street or something, you know? I mean, it's just like, you know, Sometimes it's just war, and you don't know what's going on, and uh, so you, you got to prepare people for it, and and just um, take you use you, you know what you do is you the best thing to do is like a lot of, lots of times when something goes wrong. I remember earlier in my career, I used to get so pissed, you know, I just get, and I still do, mm. but you know, I get I, in a different way. You you use you use um, incidents as training points. Because yeah. they're no, they're much more useful that way. You can't back go back and change anything, but you can change. You know, you you can't give somebody insight on hand how to handle it next time. You know, on a personal level with a customer or something like that, uh, and then from a functional level, you know, just you know what to do. You know, you get them thinking a different way, and um, then the next time it happens, you know, next time it has the opportunity to happen. Something's always bound to happen. It's also it's almost always based on reaction and how we deal with things. Right. So, and I think that's what I mean a little bit by, you know, that's, I think that that's the stress of it. I mean, you're dealing with people's personalities and trying to make people happy. And uh, so you're always following up on those sort of things and, and um, just talking, you know, I'm, I'm sure my people are sick of hearing me talk. I know for sure that some of my business partners are, sick of hearing me talk, but you, you just do it. You know, you keep on talking and eventually it creates awareness and then at the very least, if somebody's aware of something, they're going to think about it differently. Just that little simple part. Even if they don't, even if they don't care. But you get, you know, you get a lot of people in the restaurant industry that are just, you know, it's a stopping point, you know. They're just spinning their wheels, you know, um, creating some, you know, some cash flow while they're waiting to do something else. The, you know, generally a transient community. And so, it's, it, and you know, what you want to do is get everybody while they're there to take it as seriously as possible if they're not, you know, if it's not just like, you know, and that's what you teach people. Say, look, just, you know, you might look up one day, you know, you're, you've been here for two years and you put yourself in a position to be a manager just because you kept your nose down. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, so can you just, just keep it on talking to folks. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's, so yeah, and then you're, you're. Uh, it's just a, it's, it, it never ends, and it's kind of an ongoing conversation and communication. I like how you kind of really, you know, uh, um, as 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 we kind of grow and mature, I found myself like that in business or with my kids or whatever. Too, man, it's like the stuff that, like, at one point you kind of be like, "What the hell?" You kind of go, "Okay, that happened. How do we how do we use this to, you know." Yeah, learn from it and teach them so they know that in the next time, you know, that it, that that doesn't happen again. It happens a different way and it's handled differently or whatever. Now, do you you guys have um uh at least I guess out there in Sullivan's Island, you have if I'm correct, you have bands pretty frequently, blues and bluegrass and rock and stuff like that. Is that part of yeah, what you're doing? Yeah, Amer- Americana. Yeah, we were kind of we, we the first place was um we kind of tried to model it a little bit around the, the Mississippi G joint you know just um and uh we've always been a big supporter 
supporter of the blues. Um, we have the Low Country Blues Club. It's uh, actually just had their seventh anniversary of meeting every Wednesday night at the West Ashley location. They do an open jam every Wednesday night. and um, We've always done a, an oyster roast every year, um, which was in sync with this Charleston's Blues Festival. Um, and then we've been a big supporter of just Americana, bluegrass, um, you know, rock and roll. And, um, you know, we, we do less of the music over at, uh, we have, we have two open jams a week over at uh, our West Ashley location, which are cool. You know, uh, the blues club on one and the other one's on Monday. And it's, um, and it's run by our, one of our bar managers who's a um, big musician in town, uh, Reed Stone. And then, uh, Danielle Howe right now is, who's a, a well-known local musician. So we kind of, kind of modeled after those some of those Nashville open mics, you know, when you're just getting a lot of singer songwriters in and um and trying to cultivate that. And then the other store is um it's a better location for probably for folks to come see live music. Um set up a little bit better and um we do, usually do live music on Friday and Saturday nights out there, except during during football season. Well usually we won't do Saturday nights, we'll just do Friday nights. But um yeah, live music has definitely been a big part of our our concept and you know, we're all big music fans and uh so sometimes you know it, it, music music's a tough that's a tough industry you can't really put, you can't really pin that stuff down you know it's like yeah uh i always make the metaphor it's like um uh uh a band can be a band a band a bad band is like rotten food you know it's like you know you, you but you know your band is you know your band is rotten you know right when there's no going back you know, you right. get a, you get a five hundred dollar band in, you pay a sound guy hundred and fifty bucks and you get a band in and nobody shows up, well, there it goes. Your food's rotten. You gotta throw it out. <laughs> but yeah, at least sometimes we felt over the years I I've I've sat in a room and I've listened to a band after, you know, working for fifteen hours, you know, doing a catering gig and working in the restaurant and it's me and the guys from the catering gig and ten other people and we're listening to some badass band and we're like Sometimes it's just kind of our little private party. That was I remember that from the old days, but it doesn't happen as much anymore. We're a little, we've we've grown in that area, just kind of being selective about what we get and and um, you know uh, modifying it some over the years. So, uh, but it's it's definitely well, a big part. Now you're okay. I will confess. I mean, most people that are listening probably uh, at least if they're not from the southeast. They may not. Well, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people may not have heard of Widespread Panic. I'm a big Widespread Panic fan. I did see that the basis for Widespread had a uh, fiery Ron show and some picture I, I saw recently. I was I don't even can't remember where, but uh, do you know those uh-huh. guys? Yeah, I mean, I met I, I went to University of Georgia in the early '90s, so okay. I was around when those guys were, you know around a lot more. They play the Georgia theater, you know, five, 10 times a year or something like that. And, um, still are touring all over the country. But, um, I had friends, I, I wouldn't say I was friends with them. I, I knew them in passing. My, my girlfriend did an internship for Capricorn records when Watch Fred was with them and over one summer. And, you know, we, I definitely saw them tons of times and, um, and whatnot. So, uh, and then, you know, we actually had them in for, they were on tour. They were uh, playing Charleston. I think it was in 2009 or 10. And um, we had them over to our West Ashley location for Thanksgiving dinner. We just closed down the restaurant and did, did Thanksgiving dinner for them and their crew and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we every time they come to town, we usually cater for them. We, that's, where, that's where Big Dave got his shirt and whatever. So. 
Well, I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's what I thought. I was like, well, that's some good PR. <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah. Well, so, well, let me, okay, let me ask you this. Now, so I'm I'm from Charlotte, and uh, so folks listening, you know, barbecue is a big thing in the Carolinas and the southeast, obviously. Uh, in North Carolina, you know, Charlotte's kind of like somewhere in the middle, um, it, more western, but, you know, we kind of have western North Carolina does. And I'm talking to folks really specifically about pulled pork barbecue here, but, you know, we would do sort of like a tomato-based sauce. Eastern North Carolina is more vinegar-based. I gravitate towards that. My wife's from Lexington, South Carolina, where I had never heard of mustard-based barbecue until I met her, uh, and that's what she right. grew up on. So what's your preference, man? What do you got? How do you guys make it? So, you know what? We we pretty much um, – we, we drive – we. Well, first of all, you can get um, kind of um, categorized a little bit too about what part of the pig you cook or what, you know, whether you cook beef or whatnot. But, um, you know, with our pork and our ribs, uh, we, we dry rub it all. And then, um, you know, our, our, our pork uh, is pulled and it's pulled with a little bit of salt and pepper and just a tiny bit of cider vinegar. So it's it's fairly, it's presented in a fairly uh, neutral way. And then we do a red sauce, which is basically kind of a, uh, middle North Carolina, maybe Western North Carolina um, sauce. It's uh, tomato and, and vinegar based, um, but it's you know it's fairly thin. It's not thick. It's mm-hmm. not too. It's not very sweet. Um, and then we do a sweet version of that and a hot version of that. Sweet version of that, kind of more, you know, sort of starting to lean towards a, a you know, Memphis or Kansas City sauce. It's just it's just because it's thicker and a little bit sweeter, um, but still maintains the same. Um, uh, the same characteristics of our of our, our red sauce, and then we do a hot version of that, which is just spicier. And um, and then when we so when we open, we just had the red, and then about two weeks in, we had enough um, ridicule in the restaurant from customers being in Charleston, South Carolina, for a mustard-based sauce <laughs> that we went ahead and made a mustard-based sauce. So, but we made it kind of uh, along kind of within our parameters to kind of gave it the same characteristics as the uh as the um the red sauce just built it with um three types of mustards it's not like super sweet and you know sometimes you'll have some of that um the mustard barbecue and it's almost like honey mustard you know it's uh mm-hmm. it's really yeah. sweet super thick and then we um when we opened we uh we we did alabama white sauce which i don't think mm-hmm. too many people around here did with some mayonnaise based barbecue sauce and that has completely taken off because of our smoked chicken wings. Um, that's our that's our dipping sauce for our smoked chicken wings. We don't do blue cheese or ranch. We do Alabama white sauce, and people just they love it. So um, yeah, so we just kind of we put the sauces on the table and let you do what you want. That's I love it. We, man. It's our job. It's our it's our job to cook the meat, and it's y'all's. You know, everybody else, you know, it's, we don't want to put we don't want to put anything on there that you know people don't want. So. That's awesome. So, so, see, folks, if you're listening, you can see how seriously, you know, we, we take this here. I mean, I'm it's 11.35 right now. My mouth is watering, and uh, I need to go find somewhere uh, to get some, some, some good good barbecue for lunch. Um, unfortunately, I don't have anything nearly as good as what you provide right nearby. Oh, yeah. Um, you, can shoot, you, can, you can shoot. Uh, I got my buddy as uh, uh, Max. Max is a cool Yeah, I know Max. I'm, unfortunately, I'm, see, I'm in South Shore. I'm like – solid you know even with no traffic i'm a good half hour from max but max oh, really? is awesome um yeah so you know those guys i know i went to college with they've got a few 
few partners. I went to college with one one of the guys, but I mean he's been with he's been with them since they opened their first one. I think they have uh, they have four or five places now or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's a it's a quality operation up there. Yeah, they, but, um, they do. They I noticed they've grown, man, and that's actually that that leads me to that question. Is, is that is that in your plans or? Um, uh, we're actually just now about to get permitted um, for our a location on the peninsula in down downtown Charleston. Um, so oh, great, we're man. so we uh, we we actually we bought the property um, back in January and um, doing the whole thing. Most of it from scratch. Um, is um, 2,800 square foot building that's uh, still there. We're building on to, um, but we're gutting it all out building a parking lot and all that stuff, outdoor area. So we're hoping to have that open in the fall. So um and then we'll see what happens after that. Um you never know. You might see us up there in Charlotte. Um man, you need to get uh, to Fort get up to Fort Mill, it's going crazy. Um well then so do you how like okay, so two thousand six was the first one and then when did when did your second one open? Second one opened in two thousand nine. So it's been okay. it'll be It'll be six and a half years in between the second and the third one, and I think that was, there's a good reason for that. I think it, it was real important for us to try to nail down what we were doing and um, nail down our management and and um, you know really create a team to put us in position to do. Because I, I I'm 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 kind of the belief that the, the, your third one, obviously the first one's probably the, the most important. If they don't like the first one, then they're not gonna like the second one, <laughs> but you know, yeah. once you get that second one open, the, the that you know, the first one, you know, it's kind of people like it, and you have the chance to do another one. And of course, you're nervous about it. But the third one, I think, is really kind of more like, all right, can I really, can we really do this? Can we really do, you know, another one of these? And then can that work? And then can another one work? So it's you know, it's, it's definitely kind of a I'm interested to go through the process of the third one. Everybody will be like, oh, you're you're great, you're gonna be fine. You're like, oh, I don't believe it when I see it. <laughs> you know, There's a lot more gotta, to it, I know, man. I mean, that's it's smart that you waited that long. And, folks, this is really, this is a wise way to do this because there are a lot of folks that, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it, Aaron, a lot uh, being in the business for a while. There are folks that, you know, that may have a good thing, but they grow too fast, and that ultimately can lead to your demise if you uh, if you don't really nail down the fundamentals and the you know the foundation for what you're doing, which is what you spent the last six years doing with those two, um, which is just, man, my hat's off. I mean, that's just a good long-term smart way to look, look at the business. Yeah. Well, I I just, I just, you know, you just kind of, you gotta be ready and it's, everybody's got a different formula. I mean, I I didn't sit down and say after we opened our second one, I'm going to wait six years until I I didn't even know if I'd do another one. It just kind of has to come to you. It's gotta be natural and, and push it along in different ways, and but we're comfortable where we are right now with the staff that we have and the people we have working for us, that so we can do a third one. And I think that's where you got to be. It's just you got to be, you got to, you got to have a staff that you know is going to support you. Because if you don't have them, you're in deep crap. I can't. If I had a dollar for everybody who came up to me and said, you know, you must have a really good staff and I said yes I mean I'd have you know I'd get open up another restaurant I mean it's just you know you, you, we can't do anything without people you know that are loyal and that want to try to execute what 
we want to execute as owners and operators. Um, cannot be underscored and emphasized enough. No doubt about it. Um, well, listen, I know you were going from one to the other, so I'm going to let you roll here in a sec, but I do want to ask you one more question because I'm always curious about this. Like, what? Okay, so you're now nine years uh, into this, well, a little longer because you're planning, but you, know, you opened your first one nine years ago, and here you are. What? Looking back, if you could get a hold of yourself nine years ago right now, what advice would you give yourself that you've learned along the way? You know, I would probably grab myself before that and okay. and go because once you're the thing about it is is once you jump in, mm. once you jump in, it just is what it is. And the hard thing is, like I said at the beginning, it's trial by fire. You know, so if I could have had my my if my perspective could have been a different, little bit different going into it. You know, uh, I'd thought a little bit more about the different ends of the business and how. It, like I talked about as well, like knowing what, you know, really trying to sit down and understand what people do and what their jobs are and things like that. Um, if I had done some more of that when I was just a chef, I think I would have been better prepared to own a business because it, it is just, it's every aspect of not only um, the restaurant job world, but also just any job world, which is management. I mean, when you're starting to manage and lead people, and you're you're out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, my comfort zone was making mashed potatoes. You know, and um, you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with numbers and um, you know, employee lots more employee issues and massaging things. So I think it's um, the biggest thing is try to get as much experience as you can before you jump in. Because once you're once you jump in, you know, there's there's not as many. You you have to dig deeper for resources to. <clears throat> to um, get information rather than it being part of your natural work experience. Um, so that, that's the biggest thing. I'm sure I'd change some other things, you know, but I mean, you're just in it, man. You don't, you don't know what, you don't know what to do. You just kind of, um, kind of learn and move on. Um, I mean, there are some specific things that I would change, but I mean, you know, who could, who could do that? Somebody I hired or somebody I fired or, whatever, but, um, you yeah, know, you really you need just, to know the business really well before, I mean, it, it seems like, I bet there's people that go and they sit in your, one of your restaurants and they look around and they go, how cool is this? Like, I want to do this too. This is something I, I want to do. And then, <laughs> you know, that, but that's not the, uh, there are wonderful, it's cool, called, it's called, it's called romanticizing the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the reality is that there is some romantic, there, there is a, there is that piece of it, but it's, it's probably not nearly as big of a piece as most people would assume because you're, like you said, a day in the life of the operator. You're, you know, your uh, day probably changes. Uh, you know, things happen all the time that you're not, you know, don't know are going to happen, and it's just, it's, it's a. Uh, it, it's it's something you you really I think you just you gotta love it, don't you? I mean, if you don't really love it, it would be hard to make it in your business. Yeah, it's you know it's I mean, yes, it's it's probably one that you do need to love more because the the rewards aren't so great. I mean, you know, there's obviously other jobs out there that you can um you not not you know not love as much, but find some solace in it because you know whatever the relationships you have or the money you make, but. You know, a restaurant. I mean, you get burned. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. any 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 uh any job you go to and you come home with with cuts and burns and and aches and pains. I mean, you gotta you gotta want to do it. So, but um, you know, that's what's fun about it too. It's kind of like uh, I'm a big sports fan and whatnot. It's kind of like uh, I mean, I've always thought of it as kind of like a game. I mean, you come in on Saturday Saturday at noon to get ready for your game that starts at five o'clock and you know it's a it's a six hour game with a bunch of preparation and um and when you're done you know it's it's you got it's a sense of satisfaction you just you just won the game because you got out all the food and everybody enjoyed it so there you go man well listen aaron uh it's Really kind of you to take the time to do this with as much as you do have going on, and good luck with uh, location three. And I, I uh, you all are all over my radar to get down there and hang out with y'all sometime. Hopefully this this summer or fall um, when I can break well, away. Well, just let us know when you're heading down. Be glad. Be glad. I will, man. Hey, thanks, right, Take care, bud. All right, have a great weekend. See you. All right, you too.